Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer femme people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp, the founder of the Queer Femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Today you will hear my conversation with Virginia-bred singer-songwriter Kate Bollinger, who dropped by to discuss her latest EP called Look At It In The Light. If you aren't familiar with Kate Bollinger, you may have heard her song Candy before, as it was famously sampled on Kanye West's Donda last year. And she's been hot on the trail of success since 2018 with her trademark eerie and dreamy folk miniatures that she's worked on with her longtime producer, John Trainum. Kate and I discuss how she sees this EP as a Goodbye Virginia project, collaborating with an incredible team of women at Pear Juice Productions on her latest music video, writing songs based on Vladimir Nabokov's short stories, and much more. Also, just a heads up, this interview was conducted on the phone instead of a Zoom call, so that's why the audio may sound a little different than usual. And I hope you all enjoy the interview. As usual, I would like to remind listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, so if you would like to help me continue to create more episodes and maybe buy me a coffee as well, please consider donating to or checking out my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Those who join my Patreon will get to unlock bonus content, including music-based film reviews with special guests, unheard and unedited conversations in podcast episodes, playlists curated by yours truly, as well as early access to some of my YouTube content. However, I understand that finances are tight for many people, so if you are unable to join the Patreon, I fully understand. All I ask is that you give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as that really helps me out in my effort to get the podcast in front of more people. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Hi, Kate. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Where are you based? I am in uh, New York at the moment. What about you? Gotcha. Um, I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Nice. Yeah. For starters, I'm glad you agreed to come on and uh, chat with me. And... I guess I will start by asking you how you feel about the new EP, um, because you put it out recently, and uh, what it's, how does it feel to actually finally have it out in the open? It's funny, I mean, I think every, like most musicians have this 
problem, or I guess, I mean, I don't know if it's really a problem, but it, the songs feel so old, kind of. Like, it feels like I'm releasing, like, a past version of myself into the world. Um, but it feels really good to have it out. I um, The songs are really special to me. They're kind of like, I kind of see it as, like, a sort of, like, goodbye Virginia project, because it's um, a bunch of songs that I wrote during the pandemic, and I'm about to move, and... Yeah, so it's a really special project to me. Cool. And yeah. where are you about to move to? Um, I've I've kind of been playing around with either going to New York or L.A. Um, I grew up in Virginia, so I'm just kind of ready to leave. Um, but I've kind of thought about um, just, like, subletting a couple different places for, like, six months at a time or something. Just to feel it out, see how you see how you yeah. like the yeah yeah exactly. Like I I just don't really because I've only ever lived in Virginia, so I just don't really know where I want to live. Um, and I'm I think LA and New York would obviously be good for music. Just a lot of the people that I want to work with are there. So. And since you mentioned uh, Virginia, you grew up in Charlottesville, right? Yeah. And I understand that you grew up in a pretty musical family. Um, so I was wondering how your childhood uh, in Charlottesville has influenced uh, your music now, if at all. Yeah, um, I think it has a lot to do with it. Um, my mom is a musician and she's a music therapist. Um, and growing up, she was, she, I mean, she still does, but when I was growing up, she was writing a lot of children's music. Um, and she released something like nine albums of children's music um, from like the 80s until like 2012 or something. So that was always around. And I, I sang like in the children's chorus um, on her albums when I was little. And then both my brothers also had bands and were always making like their little solo projects in the basement and stuff and we would go see their shows and stuff like that so it was always just kind of like a really natural part of my childhood um I think kind of like I had friends that were I had this one friend whose parents were both lacrosse coaches and I kind of compare it to that like my family was really involved in music but not in a way that not in the way that they were, like, pushing us to do it, but just that it was, like, sort of a part of our family, I guess. Interesting. And yeah. you seem to uh, often return to this theme of childhood in your songs as well. And it seems like really ethereal sort of uh, almost like a Baroque pop sorts of songs that have these darker sort of undertones to them and a running theme seems to be being snatched from an idyllic childhood and sort of no longer having that protection, which is something that I can definitely relate to. Uh, and so I'm just wondering why you think you're pretty drawn to those particular themes. I did have a pretty idyllic childhood. I think my oldest brother was 10 years older than me, so it's just like I had two older brothers that were kind of looking out for me and taking care of me and we're always... And yeah, I don't I don't know. I just think it's like through this lens 
of having an idyllic childhood and then growing up and kind of starting to see the world in different ways than I did when I was a kid. Um, that's sort of what I look for, I think, in other songwriters is just like I want to see through their eyes, I guess, for a little bit while I'm listening to their music. Who are some artists that you listen to often who you feel like do that really well? Um, Alice Phoebe Lou is a more current artist that I've been listening to a bunch. I think she does that in a really strong way um, that I feel like I am just in her world. Um, specifically her album called Glow that came out uh, last year, I think. Her songs are, like, just really beautiful, melodic poems. Like, she really, her lyrics are, like, poetry, basically. Um, it's pop music, but it's just really well done. In addition to music, um, you also have a degree in cinematography, right? Yes, I do. So what um, sort of drew you uh, to pursue that sort of area of film work? initially um well so initially I was actually in the poetry program at UVA where I went to school um and it was sort of around the time that I was starting to take music a lot more seriously um and I just felt like I didn't have time for poetry because it sort of draws from the same place as songwriting does for me um and so I switched to film because I felt like it was something that was that was totally different from music and sort of drew from a different place, um, but would complement it really well. And I sort of switched to film like for the purpose of making music videos to go with my songs. Nice. So. Yeah. I guess that answers another question I had, which was um, if there's any, like, sort of cross-pollination between your eye for film and music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't really, like, when I'm writing, I don't have nothing visual is really happening, but usually after I record a song, I think if it's good and I really like the song, then I pretty much immediately have some sort of, like, music video idea that comes to mind. That's really cool. It's really nice, isn't it, to when you're when you are a an artist of any pursuit to really immediately get a picture in your head of what you want everything to look like. Definitely, yeah. It's it's like one of my favorite parts. And also, you uh, your most recent video. It seems to like the the color palette is very sort of vast and sort of, I don't know. I, I loved how it would, you cast all girls and sort of made it into like sort of a, and sort of embraced this sort of really colorful vintage aesthetic. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that video, I really can't take credit for too much of it. I, um, I found this production company online called Pear Juice Productions, and I just really loved the style um, of all of her videos. It's this girl named Allison who um, started it, and it was female-run, which I really liked because I hadn't really, like, I pretty much only up until this point worked with 
guys on videos. Actually, that's that's not true. I've, I've worked with a couple of friends, female friends, but it really appealed to me that it was female run. Um, and yeah, Allison is just like, I think a creative genius. She just kind of like had like had the concept and pitched it to me and I loved it. And we just worked together really closely on, on everything. And, um, yeah, it was just so fun. It was just like one of the best days ever shooting. I bet. What was, uh, what was the concept that she came up with? Like, can you remember the exact sort of, uh, words she, she used to describe the idea? Um, I can't, I can't remember the exact words she used, but it was definitely monkeys and the Beatles help movie inspired. Um, like she's, she made a mood board and stuff and it had a lot of the stills from help. Um, and from the monkeys episodes. So just like a bunch of characters doing kind of like silly slapstick things. Um, and she wanted to do that, but have it be all, girls that's amazing i love that yeah yeah and your songs have a very sort of distinct uh, sound that's really like it can be spare and then like grandiose at times uh, mm-hmm. and you work with uh, the same producer often right yeah i do um my friend john produced um everything that i have online up until this point so how do you guys uh go about i guess constructing what your songs will sound like because you seem to have like um a very distinct sonic footprint um i mean i think that i have pretty like my references are pretty all over the place um so i kind of like to think of everything that i make as just like the product of all of my influences um, meeting somewhere. So, yeah, I don't know. We, we, I definitely, like, John and I, I mean, we work in a lot of different ways. Like, sometimes I'll bring a fully fleshed-out song to him. Like, that's, that's what I did with Look At It In The Light. It was finished, and I brought it to him. And I can't remember if we recorded the demo, but on the day where all of the musicians came to the studio, we just, I think I showed them a bunch of references and then we played the song and I would sort of like John and I would sort of direct them if we wanted a different, like if we wanted a different bass part or something, maybe we would ask the bassist to do something a little bit different. I think it's just, I think it's a combination of a lot of like, I have pretty strong reference points and I know what I want it to sound like. And John has a really good understanding of of what I want things to sound like. Um, and and then the musicians that I had play have played together for a long time. So I think that's a big part of it, too, is they have really good chemistry. That's really cool. Can you recall any specifics, like, super memorable sessions that you've done together where... Um, you really like you feel like you'll always remember yeah um this was actually a day that was just me and john at the studio um and we record in louisa virginia it's sort of like out in the country um it's a studio called white star sound and it's on 
a farm with goats and chickens and stuff. It's just like this really idyllic place to write and record. And um, John and I were sitting outside and we wanted to write a song together. And then I basically just wrote I Found Out, which is the first song on the EP, um, pretty quickly. And we were really excited about it. And so we just went inside and record like spent the whole day recording it um and then I remember like we were so excited we didn't eat anything and I just like um on the way home you have to drive like an hour home to get back to my place so I just like got some gas station food and ate it while I was driving home and like thought of the whole music video for the song in my head and got home and like made a mood board and um I feel like that's when I know that a song is really special to me, um, just because I feel like I, I wrote it, we recorded it, I thought of the video that I wanted to make for it, which I haven't made yet, but um, it just felt like a really fully fleshed out idea. Um, I'll definitely remember it for a long time. You seem to have really absorbed a really wide spectrum of genres as well, whether it be like 60s ponytail pop or like early aughts R&B or MTV. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I know that uh, Feist was a major part of like the soundtrack to your younger years. Um, mm-hmm. What about Feist intrigues you the most? In my opinion, I just don't know. I don't really know any artists that sound like her. Like, I think she has a really distinctive sound and thing about her that I'm really drawn to. Um, And she was one of the first songwriters that I got to see, like female singer-songwriters that I got to see live um, when I was a kid. So it was really impactful to me. Um, My mom and I went to see her when I was in fifth grade. And I had just never seen anything like it, I guess. And I just thought she was amazing. That's so cool. What 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 is she like live? Like what's the sort of uh Um, it's like watching it's like a concert, but it's also um it feels like like when I saw her, she had an artist doing sand projections, like it was it was somebody's hands making art in sand and it was projected up behind her. So it's like, it's like seeing some kind of art show while watching live music, which, which I think is really cool. And speaking of live music, what sort of, um, what's the sort of uh, vision that you usually have when you're uh, rehearsing to perform uh, live or go on tour? Up until this point, I think we've, played the songs like I I love playing live but I think up until this point we've sort of just played the songs like they are on the records but now that I kind of have a stronger vision for what I want the show to be like I think that I want it to be a little bit more theatrical like I definitely want costumes and lights and stuff at some point once, once the budget's bigger and um I don't know. I was recently, I was kind of thinking it would be cool to have some puppets or something like that. Just something a little bit more theatrical. Cause I think like with my videos too, I have a really strong, like a lot of the video concepts that I come up with are feel sort of like plays or something like, and, and when 
um, when we're shooting them, it's like we rehearse. It feels like rehearsing for a play kind of before we shoot, before we shoot. That's really cool. And of the um, lead single uh, uh, from the EP, um, I think one of the things that you said was, uh, there have been many times when I've been afraid to uproot my life in some way, but just as afraid of what will happen if I don't. And that really hits home for me. I'm just wondering, um, I guess, if through your music, uh, other people have maybe reached out to you and been like, uh, and found some sort of solace in the fact that there's a collective of others who sort of feel that sense of, fear yeah i mean i have one example and it's just somebody that i know i don't know her super well but she's from my hometown and i remember she this was actually on my last ep a song on my last ep um but it kind of is about the same thing i feel like i write about that a lot um and she reached out and was really vague about what it meant to her but i but we kind of both knew what what we were talking about um so I hope that people connect to it. Um, but yeah, I thought that was nice. Another uh, song of yours that really stands out to me is A Word Becomes a Sound because it was inspired by uh, Vladimir Nabokov's terror. And if I could um, throw out a compliment as well, I think, um, <laughs> I think a lot of, uh, writers, scholars, and artists really try, uh, really seem to try like really hard and, and not really sort of are able to grasp, um, the sort of depth of what Nabokov is, has been saying. And a lot, I feel like a lot of his work has been, um, co-opted and misinterpreted. So when I heard this, it was really refreshing. Um, And I, as the kids might say, you understood the assignment. (laughs) And I was wondering if um, you're much of a lit head um, outside of that, or if you're, or if you have like a deeper connection to any of his other work. Um, there, there was a time when I was reading a bunch of Nabokov. I don't, claim to be a lit head necessarily but um I mean I love like I love to read but I'm kind of, I think I'm the type of person most of the time that starts every book and finishes very few um which is why actually I like reading poetry a lot and um I like short stories too I liked a lot of Nabokov's short stories but yeah I don't really claim to be much of a lit head Neither do I. Can I just tell you, I have, I have a literary degree and, oh my God, that whole program, I went to the new school, got a degree in literary studies and it was all a massive hoax. I feel (laughs) cheated and yeah, you know that there's this one John Mulaney bit in one of his specials where he says, I paid you $130,000 to tell me to go read Jane Austen, and then I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, I don't know, I, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I 
I'm just so, and I feel like every, so many people are this way, but I'm just so distracted. It's really hard for me to sit down for a long period of time and do anything. I also wanted to ask the obligatory question about the past couple of years, which have been rough for everybody, but I'm just wondering Mm -hmm. how uh, the last two and a half to three years have affected you, um, I guess, emotionally and creatively, if you feel comfortable speaking to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of what, like, I didn't want to necessarily make a pandemic EP, but I feel like it is sort of what the EP's about. You already touched on this a little bit, but it's a lot of the songs are about my experience, which I feel like was sort of paralyzing um, in a way because I could, um, it was like an excuse to stagnate kind of, but then at the same time, um, it was forcing me to sort of look at my life and see that I needed to make certain changes. So I sort of had this cognitive dissonance, I guess, for a lot of the, a lot of, um, for most of the last couple of years that I've been dealing with. Um, but I think that's sort of a common experience. Um, but yeah, it's been good and bad, I guess. Like there, there's definitely good things that have come out of the past couple of years. Um, I think being forced to look at those things is actually a really positive thing for me. So. Yeah, I totally get that. Cause I feel like it's forced a lot of people to really look inward. Um, Mm -hmm. especially because, especially if there was no longer the daily distractions of always having like, a lot of, I, like, from my experience, I know a lot of people who um, were forced to leave the city because of lockdown. And um, when you're, and I also had to leave for like a year and a half. And then I remember it's, it's really jarring when you're no longer, I guess, always having somewhere to be, someone to see, or something to occupy you that it's it's you're just like sort of forced to really be with yourself and mm-hmm. really look inward in a way that you haven't really allowed yourself to beforehand which and I feel like the pandemic seems to have had that effect on a lot of people definitely yeah I think so yeah I was just gonna say that it was it's so it's so crazy how long it's been now. I was just trying to remember what I was doing at the very beginning of the pandemic, and I feel like it was just tons of walks, basically. Like I went and lived at home with my mom again for um, the first few months of the pandemic, the first maybe six months, um, and it was just like I was just like walking my mom's dog all the time. <laughs> Me too. I was walking my mom's dog, like, daily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that, you know, good, like, that's a small thing, but it was a good thing that came out of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, there's always, like, a sense of peace that, that comes when you're just forced to walk in nature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
And um, also um, some exciting prospects coming up. You're going on tour with Leo Neal, mm-hmm. uh, who's also a fellow uh, Virginian. Um, yes. What are you most uh, looking forward to um, on the road? Oh, um, I mean, I'm just really excited to play, like, to headline a tour. We've never, my band and I have never headlined before, so that'll be exciting to see what the crowd is. Like, I've never, I haven't really, I don't really know who's going to come out, I guess, because I've always been supporting bigger artists, and it's mostly been their fans that come out to the shows. So I'm just excited to play and meet everybody and see who comes out and see Lale's set because I'm a huge fan of her music. Same here, yeah. Well, that's exciting. Your first headlining uh, tour. Definitely, yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah, thanks so much again for um, chatting with me and do you have anything else that you'd like to uh, plug before I let you go? Oh, um, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't really have anything. Well, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, well, I'm gonna tell the audience here to who, if they haven't, to go listen to your EP because it's phenomenal. Um, but. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again. And, um. Of course. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and have an incredible uh, first headlining tour. Yeah, thank you so much. Nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy. Thank you to Kate Bollinger for joining me today and a massive thank you to her team as well for coordinating this. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested, consider donating to my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. And now to close out this episode, a big thank you to my current patrons, Debbie, Duna, Beverly, Matthew, and Paul. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy.